0: Well, over the summer, we are looking at some biblical characters, kind of cherry-picked by us as pastors, uh, for for the example that they've had, and we're wanting to look at character traits and, and biblical examples that we believe that we need to remember, especially during this time. Today, we're going to look at Daniel, as we just read, and we're really going to narrow in on chapter one of his book. And my hope for all of us today is that we will walk away not only getting to know him, but hopefully the truth that God really wants to implant in us, the truth that he wants us to stick, and how it is maybe one of the most important truths that we need for today's time. The truth that it is God that has placed us where we are for a reason, And that we can succeed in honoring God in a world that doesn't. You see, God has placed us, all of us, in our specific communities. Be that work or school. Our communities that we find ourselves in and being a part of and living in. And and maybe these places that we're in, maybe they're spiritually dark. Maybe they don't know the Lord. Maybe they're actually fighting against every truth that we have. And maybe today you're wondering, God, why do you have me here? Why are we going through this? God, do I have to be here right now? Whether here is a specific place or a specific time, such as this time that we find ourselves in right now. Know that maybe much like us, Daniel, as we just read, as we just heard read to us, finds himself in a very spiritually dark place called Babylon. And yet through it, we see him stand and and live with respect, sincerity, humility, and with a strong work ethic, which leads him to having this incredibly strong witness in Babylon. The character of Daniel is really what leads him to having this strong witness. And today, that's what I want to take a closer look at. So with that said, would you you mind praying with me? And and hopefully, we'll set our hearts and minds on what Christ is going to say to us through this passage this morning. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this morning. And and God, I thank you for your word and, and how it still speaks to us today. God, I pray that... The truth that you want us to walk away with, that is found in this passage, would just be so abundantly clear that it would it wouldn't be what I'm trying to communicate within my my own powers and energy, Lord, but rather what you were trying to say to us, God, as your children. I pray that we would hear you clearly, Lord. I just, I just pray for for all of us. Whatever whatever's going on this week, whatever distractions that we're thinking about. Whatever whatever busyness is coming up in this next week, Lord, I pray that we would just slow down for a second and, and hear you and focus in on what you are going to say to us. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. As we read in our passage, we kind of picked up with Daniel in the king's custody. So that's where he is. He is in the king's custody at this point. And Daniel, he is a young man, as we read. He's somewhere around the age of 15. We're not entirely sure exactly where, but he is a young man. Daniel finds himself taken from his homeland, Judea, and he is in the midst of his training and integration into Babylon's customs and traditions. He's learning the language, albeit similar to what he has grown up with, and he is trained under the overseeing of this chief official who is looking after him and his friends. Now take note of what we don't read. We don't read that Daniel is this young, bitter man, resentful towards those who have kind of captured him and taken him. Rather, he is one who is listening and already interacting with humility and grace to someone that probably would be incredibly hard to do so to. And one of the first integrations that we see is, is what Babylon is doing. They're, they're implementing a food and restriction diet that says you're going to eat from the king's table. And it is here that we get to see the first characteristic from Daniel and the first character aspect that we're going to look at this morning, which is Daniel lives with respect. Let's reread together. We're going to jump just a verse ahead of what we read prior. It's Daniel 1, 7 to 8. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, he gave the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, and to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. You see, Daniel sees the food and the wine that they are bringing from the king's table, as it were, and he knows that this is the first part. This is the first part of assimilation into their culture, one one which went along with renaming him. And Daniel knows that he must and needs make a stand if he is to remain true to his heritage and to his faith. The food, we don't know what about it particularly, that with certainty that would defile Daniel— we can speculate that maybe it may have been food offered to the Babylonian idols or perhaps food judged as unclean according to the Leviticus law. But what we do see is Daniel making his first stand and doing so with just this, this, this tone of gentleness and respect for his leader, the chief official. And I find it so interesting that Daniel, rather than making a huge scene or big ordeal about this, He just does it with respect he doesn't argue with the new leadership he doesn't approach them and and start making this big commotion in front of everyone what we get the tone of is is he is going before them approaching them asking him and asking is the key word requesting that he doesn't have to eat such food daniel make no mistake about it he is a courageous young man And he stops and slows down the Babylonian kingdom's influence over him and and his three friends by saying, hang on a second. Would you, would you mind? Would you let me not defile myself? I think far too often we aren't like Daniel in similar circumstances. We see something that we don't like, and rather than dealing with it properly and and talking face-to-face, one-on-one with the person, that we just go and we kind of broadcast it. Whether it's gossiping to other people, complaining to them, or maybe we just go straight to social media. I think we've all seen that far too often, where people are just posting these long rants on social media about this encounter, about this situation, about another person, that is not how we should be dealing with our issues. That is not a god it's not a God-honoring way to live our life. Another thing that we don't see is Daniel constantly fighting against every single rule that the Babylonian leaders are implementing. He doesn't fight against his name being changed. He honors them and lets that happen. You know, he wants them to, to know that he's actually there and he's gonna follow the rules but he picks and chooses his fights super carefully. And by doing so, he honors them, and he does this time and time again. Daniel lives with respect, even when it would be hard to do so. I can't imagine having your name changed by your captures. Yet Daniel chooses to oppose the one rule that they set, that according to the law in his day, it would defile him. I think how we react to the rules and to the laws of our country that the government says, says says a lot about our respect. How we speak about and to one another and even perhaps the person that we're talking to isn't even there. So why does it matter how we talk about them? Well, it, it does in a huge way. It shows a lot about our heart and our respect for one another, and we are all naturally drawn to people who speak well of others and to others. Respect is such a crucial piece to a relationship. Daniel's relationship with the chief official eventually, and and eventually the king, benefits because of his respect that he shows and, and that he gives And what we see in the next verse following is a blessing from God for the way that Daniel is choosing to live his life. Let's read Daniel 9 to 14 again. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. See that favor and compassion God is causing? Let's go verse 10. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other men your age? The king would have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with the young men who eat the royal food, and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. See, God blesses Daniel in verse 10, and isn't it, isn't it just amazing when God responds to his children in this way? God calls us to live a certain way, and when we do, when we choose to live how he has called us to, he blesses us. It's an easy thing to miss, But if you want God's blessing in your life, live according to how he has called you to live. And watch the blessings of God pour down over you. Sometimes the blessings that are going to come are going to come naturally in the order of the way that God has designed us. And sometimes the blessings that come are going to be an external blessing that God pours out on us. By that I mean, when we are nice to someone, it's going to be natural for them to want to choose to respond in favor, to be nice back to us. An external blessing happens also when we choose to live in accordance with God's word. His favor is going to shine down on us. Living how God has designed us to live is a blessing, not only for us, but to those around us. And this is our second characteristic found in Daniel. Sincerity: Daniel lives faithfully. God blesses him because of it. You see, when we live with sincerity, God's blessing will follow. Or another way to put it, God gives favor to those who live faithfully to how He has called them to live. You see, when we read Daniel's story, it's hard to imagine that this was ever God's plans A for Daniel. I mean, he's being taken from his home, being taken from everything he knows. How can that be God's plan A for Daniel? I don't think we would ever say that if similar circumstances were to happen to us. I think it'd be incredibly hard to say so. But the truth is, this was God's plan A for Daniel, much like it was for Joseph. And when we think of Joseph, what do we think of? We think of how he was betrayed by his brothers, how he was sold into slavery, and, and how he made his way all the way to serving Pharaoh. To being the second in command serving Pharaoh. And through that, through all those twists and turns, he is able to protect his family. Including the brothers that once betrayed him. And he provides food for them so that they can live through a famine. And talk about God's plan A for his people. You see, when we read about Daniel or Joseph or other people like that, it's not God's plan B or C for this to happen to them. Rather, it is God's plan A. And why do I say this? Why do I say this about Daniel? Why is it God's plan A? Because Babylonian lives matter just as much as Hebrew lives did to God. So God moves strategically to place his children into the midst of hurting and lost people's lives, his lost children. So when you think of your workplace or your school or your neighborhood, or maybe even perhaps your family, perhaps the people you encounter there, maybe maybe they hate God. Maybe when you try to talk to God with them, they just shut down or try to shut you down. Know that you are not there by accident. You are there on purpose, and God has a a purpose and a plan for you in their midst. You are not there by mistake. You are not walking in God's second best. Know that you are walking and living in God's plan A for your life. He has placed you there so that you can be salt and life. Live so distinctively, so hopeful and life-giving that they would be drawn to the message that you have. What a powerful way to live. The third characteristic that we see in Daniel is that Daniel lives with humility. This is this, we find this in Daniel 1:10 to 16. Let's read it again. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of the Lord, the King, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The King who would have, who, sorry, the King would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat, water to drink, then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away the choice food and wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables and water instead. Daniel doesn't refer to himself as privileged, even though he was. Like, don't mishear this. Daniel was a privileged person. He was born into a noble house, and he is now being taught at an incredibly high level of education, and yet he still doesn't refer to himself as above this or that thing. Rather, he respects those positioned above him, even a guard. In verse 12, as we just read, he calls himself a servant, and his humility doesn't go away once he's in a position of authority. He never refers to himself as better than. He always approaches those above him and below him as better than. As better than. And why is this? It's because he understands how God's principles work. In the New Testament, Matthew 20, verse 16 Jesus says that those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. How we carry ourselves is obvious. We all know people who, who we can look at and go, you know what, that, that guy, he is arrogant. He just thinks he is better than everybody else. We've all been around people like that that just think they are something amazing and wonderful. And yet we've also been around people the direct opposite, people who go out of their way to build up other people. And we love to be around people like that because they're just humble and they make us feel like a better person when we're around them. And when we're around them, man, we just want to be like them. Even when we leave their like, presence, we're like, man, I wish I was more like them. I've learned in my life there's really only two types of people in the world. There's ones who walk into a room and say, here I am. It's, it's all about me. Who's going to serve me? And it's a person who walks into a room or a meeting or even a church service, let's be honest, and stands there after the meeting and then stomps off after a while, remarking nobody came up to me, nobody talked to me, and they leave upset, meaning they just stood there and waited for everyone to come to them because they're just that big of a deal, Meanwhile, did they pursue a conversation with someone else? Did they leave their little bubble to go and talk with someone else? Maybe let's bring this closer to home. Maybe it's a friend that is now mad at you during this time because maybe you didn't call them right away. Maybe you didn't text them right away, and they're upset at you because you didn't reach out to them. Meanwhile, they never reached out to you. They never checked in on you. And then there's the other type of person that walks into a room. Instead of saying, here I am, they say, here you are. They're the ones who humbly take the opportunity to say, man, I am so excited to be here. I'm so excited to serve. How can I help out? I want. I just want to help out however I can. What, what are opportunities for me to serve? The people that go to a meeting, uh, a church service, and say, who's here that are looking maybe a little bit alone today? Who's here that I can go up and engage and just make their day a little bit better? Who's someone that I can engage with and make sure that they're doing okay, that I can make their day by checking in and and reminding them that they are awesome? This type of person is just full of love and charm, and they're the people that brighten yours and my day. And I think for all of us, it's obvious when we meet people to find out which of the two they kind of are. There are only servants and people who think they ought to be served. And Daniel believes he sees himself. He pushes himself to be a servant. And this is such an important and biblical and Christ-like principle and attitude to have. I mean, Christ. Himself said, "I came to be to serve and not to be served. Christ calls us to live in his footsteps. We are called to pursue after him and to live as He has taught and this isn 't even the first and only time that we see this in the Bible and, and this reminder to live humbly. Paul also reminds us of this as well in first corinthians four one, to, verse one. This, then, is how you ought to regard us, as servants of Christ, and as those entrusted with the mysteries that God has revealed. Man alive, if Jesus and then Paul is telling us something, we must and needs be pursuing a humble life. James 4 verse 6 says, The Bible is clear. God opposes the proud but shows, humble, shows favor to the humble. If you keep going through Daniel, you will see the outcome. God obviously blesses Daniel, and it's obvious to Daniel and and his friends and made clear time and time again to the Babylonians. The Babylonians. It ends up changing their thinking, and you know what's really interesting is the Babylonian kings and the whole royal family have this really rich and lavish lifestyle. They lived large, and if they lived in a modern day, they would have that, like, multi-million dollar house and would do everything as big and as showy as possible. And yet we read about how they even treated their attendants and their servants. They offered them food and drink at the very table, the very servings from the table that they were getting. And so this was clearly a challenge for Daniel— to live out his faith every day, to live humbly every day. He could have easily been tempted just to fit in, just to go with the flow, just to eat and drink what he actually, probably what his body really wanted. But he, even though he's tempted to indulge like everyone else, he, he doesn't. Daniel and his friends are are done their time of training, and they get brought before the king by the chief official. And when the king had had finished talking with them, it says in verse 19, he found none equal to to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. In fact, it says in verse 20, it says he found them ten times better than all the servants in the whole kingdom. You see, the king sees them as different. Different for, for many reasons. But one reason is perhaps because of their hard work ethic. And this is the fourth and last characteristic today, which is that Daniel and his three friends had a strong work ethic. They had wisdom and and, and understanding. They had gifts which they offered up to the king, King Nebuchadnezzar. And they served not only in their time before him, but also when they were on their own. This type of wisdom and understanding doesn't come naturally. It comes from hard work and persistence. To learn a new language comes from hard work and understanding. Understanding customs and traditions come from hard work and persistence. Daniel and his friends not only had to learn the customs of Babylon, but they learned the language, and they also had to learn how to live in a foreign land, away from all their family and away from the comforts of home, and doing so as youth. It says in the early part of the chapter that the th- they spent three years learning, the result of which is this prowess of knowledge and learning And the result is this, Daniel and his three friends had a powerful witness over the Babylonian kingdom and in the king's court. The more I think about this, the more I am just blown away by the witness that they had. Think about it. Daniel is able to go to all these meetings and all have all these interactions, and through it all, he is able to stand for the Lord, retain his integrity, and have an appealing witness through it all. And God honors him and blesses him. God honors them because, uh, because what we can see time and time again, Daniel and his friends, they serve. They work hard. They get pressed to fit into a mold defined to them by the king and the court. And yet through it all, what do they do? They place God first. The application throughout Daniel and and his friends' lives are simple. We can succeed in honoring God in a world that doesn't. We can succeed in having a witness in the world if we submit to God. And we can do this by following Daniel's character, following the example that he laid before us. Another amazing example that Daniel puts forward to us is that Daniel doesn't fight about everything, as I said in the first part. He has a clear conviction about what will break God's law and what won't. And he chooses to draw the line where it will break God's line. But even in holding his conviction, Daniel does so respectfully and he does so with integrity. He has respect and was polite to those who, who were watching him, who were guarding him, who were captures of him. He was res- respectful and polite, and he held his convictions. And whenever we hold convictions, know that people are going to be watching and listening They're going to be seeing whether we truly hold them to be something that is actually worth holding on to. Do you really believe in God? How does that interact with your day-to-day life? When you tell people that you believe in God, people are looking at you. They are listening to what you are saying. And they are watching to see if you are going to prove that with everything you say and everything you do. They are watching, and they're going to test us to see whether what we believe in is actually there, even in a moment of struggle. The world is looking for something to believe in, for something to hold on to. They want that thing. The difference that Daniel, and, and I pray that we have as well, is that we know it's not something, but rather someone. We know that the difference maker is Christ. He is what we believe in. He is what we cling to. Daniel never had the benefit of his time on earth getting to know the teachings of Christ like we do. We have the New Testament. But you can bet if he did, he would know it super well. And he would be a light in the world, much like he was a light in Babylon. Guys, if, if we want to reach the world that God has put us in, this is an outline for us to use. In our, in our work, our neighborhood, our school, wherever we find ourselves in, this is the template of an effective minister in our communities. One which we are all called to be. We are all called to be ministers in our world. Another thing that we don't have time, unfortunately, this morning to examine is all the trials that Daniel and his three friend, friends faced. I mean, he fa- they faced the lion's den, the fiery furnace, betrayal, and, and much more. And I say this to encourage us in this time that we find ourselves in. Because Daniel, he faced opposition. And, and we have always faced spiritual opposition in the world. And all around the world, people are dealing with attacks on their health with this pandemic, the systemic racism which has really come to light especially and brought to the forefront of news lately, natural disasters and man-made disasters such as what happened in Lebanon this last week. And through it all, we, as Christ followers, must be that witness in the world, that light in the darkness that Daniel was. We must be the best witness that we can be, and it starts with us being a force of love and truth. We love with our actions, our words, and our deeds, and we bring the truth of Christ and the difference he makes in the world and the difference he can make in our world as much as he can make in everyone else's world. Christ said that soon the end times is coming. Soon he will return, and that we should be, rep- we should be prepared. We don't know the exact time or date when he will return But up until that time, we are not to sit idle, making busy work for ourselves. Rather, we are to be on mission in the world that God has placed us into. Let us live like Daniel, living a life that respects, cherishes the people around us, living with sincerity, free from hypocrisy, humbling ourselves as to build up Christ's kingdom while working hard with genuine effort and grace. Man, what a testimony, what a witness we can be in the world if we live like Daniel. I think it's a challenge that we can all take to heart and do our best to be that, because man, the world desperately needs it. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word, and, and thank you for, for the challenge, the, the call to be different, to be a light in the world, to be that strong testimony that is, that is not only appealing, but a testimony that holds the truth of your word and of your spirit in our life. God, I pray that we could be difference makers in the world. God, the reality is we don't know when you're coming back, but God, we do know that you will come back. And so, God, I pray that we would be prepared for that day, that we would be eagerly anticipating your return, living each day, each moment as if you were to come back living out the gospel, spreading love and truth and hope in the world that desperately needs it. God, I pray that we would be people that when we see our friends and and people that we don't know, that we go up to them and make them feel so loved and so welcome that we would go out of our way to be that person that says, here you are. God, I pray that we as your children would respond to what you're saying to us. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.